See yourself as God sees you, righteous and holy in Christ. That's Colossians 3.12 and 2 Corinthians 5.2. And when you really meditate on that verse, it's quite beautiful. See yourself as God sees you, righteous and holy in Christ. God sees Jesus in you. He sees you perfect, we could argue. Are you seeing yourself that way? When you think about yourself, who you are, your worth, your skills, what you look like, your talents, your opinion of yourself, what are the thoughts that come to your mind? Are they godly or are they ungodly? And really ask yourself, like, what is the majority? Welcome back to The Liz Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis. Today, we're talking about how to see yourself as God sees you. In my almost 10 years of working as an executive coach and specializing in Christian psychology, I'm learning more and more how many people really struggle to see themselves as God sees them. And I've been there. I get how difficult it is, which is why we're going to talk about it. Now, I want to ask you a few binary questions, and I want you to choose yes or no. I'm going to encourage that you really lean on the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you examine yourself humbly, because it's easy to manipulate your answers because you might not want to uh, face the truth, right? So really be honest with yourself and look at the majority. So if the majority of you is doing this, then it's a yes, okay? We got to examine ourselves humbly as the Word of God tells us. Are your thoughts mainly filled with love, faith, hope, optimism, and positivity? Yes or no? Are your thoughts mainly filled with fear, hate, dislike, and negativity? Yes or no? Do you struggle with self-hatred or self-rejection? Yes or no? Do you speak kindly about yourself? Yes or no? Are you your biggest cheerleader outside of God? Yes or no? Do you love yourself the way Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit love you? Yes or no? Do you trust yourself? Yes or no. Do you know yourself? Yes or no. Do you appreciate yourself? Yes or no. Do you forgive yourself quickly? Yes or no. Do you judge yourself instead of mindly observing? Yes or no. And you could even ask that one, do you judge other people? Because if you're judging other people, then you're judging yourself. Do you see yourself as God sees you? Yes or no. Do you even know how God sees you? Yes or no? Do you go through life looking at people and thinking something like, man, I wish my body looked more like theirs? Or do you say things like, ugh, they're so much better than me because they have this degree, they're a doctor, or they're an expert in this, and I don't even have a degree, so I, I clearly suck. Or do you sometimes look in the mirror and go, oh, I am so disgusting and gross? I'll admit that last one I, I still participate in. I'm working on it. Many people struggle with low self-esteem, self-hatred, self-rejection, and guilt. In fact, in the Bible, we would say you're struggling with the spirit of unlovingness. Sadly, it seems to be more prevalent for someone not to like themselves and really to hate themselves and reject themselves than to love themselves. In fact, I would argue not loving yourself is becoming a huge plague that is consuming the world, and I bet you would agree with me. But let me ask you, what is keeping you from not loving yourself when God absolutely adores you? He's greater than you are, in case you didn't know. 
And he loves you so much. I mean, you are the apple of his eye. The most loving, kind, amazing, and significant thing to exist, God, adores you. He says you are more than enough. He says you are worthy. He says that I love you so much that I'm going to leave the 99 to come and rescue you. I mean, he really loves you so much and he screams to you, you are more than enough. How can you not love yourself or even appreciate yourself when God does? And by the way, can I just tell you that if you're looking in the mirror and you're condemning yourself or if you're really participating with self-hatred and you're like, God, I hate me. Let me just tell you, you've got some pride because pretty much what you're saying is your opinion of yourself is right and God's opinion of you is wrong. So you're telling God he is wrong. God bless you when you had that conversation with God. And look, I've been there. I've totally been there. It's not like you probably are consciously aware of what you're doing, but when you realize you are telling God that he messed up when he made you, there is a strong, self-righteous, and prideful stream of thoughts that are coming from that. Okay, so you are really being motivated by pride. Because God loves you so much that he lovingly like screams, and if you don't like being screamed at, then he's going to like quietly tell you because he's such a gentleman, that you are more than enough. So again, how can you not love yourself or even appreciate yourself when God does? And where in the Bible does it say that you have the audacity not to love yourself? Well, newsflash, it doesn't. When you reject or victimize yourself, you become in opposition to God. I do not believe any of you desire to be in opposition with God. But that is where we strategically place ourselves when we start to hate, reject, shame, condemn, and victimize our own self in any area of our body, our mind, and our spirit. Remember, you are a child of the Most High, Romans 8, 17. To see yourself this way, you must adopt the beliefs God has about you. Do you know the beliefs that God has about you? Because if you don't, then yes, that is an indicator that you need to spend more time with God. And really, that's something to rejoice about. Because the more you spend time with God, the more you spend time in quiet time with God, learning his word and learning how he thinks and learning his opinion about you, the more you'll grow into spiritual maturity. When you grow into spiritual maturity, oh my God, so many amazing things happen. When you choose not to see yourself the way God sees you, you're involuntarily making yourself your own God too. It's easy to do. I mean, if you struggle with perfectionism, you already struggle with that way of thinking. It's so easy too to start to obsess and idolize over your weight. I've been there, should have died from anorexia. Praise God that he saved me. It's easy to idolize over your appearance, over your skills, intelligence, your title, your bank account. I mean, it's so easy to get so stupidly fixated on worldly things. In fact, you can quickly become consumed with where you fall short and where you don't measure up to the world standards. But respectfully, screw the world standards and please forgive my language there. But seriously, we are not supposed to have a worldly point of view. We are supposed to have an eternal point of view. Romans 12.2 reminds us to turn away from the world's way and let God renew our minds by spending time with the word of God. And if you're really wanting to learn how to operate in a Christian mindset, then make sure 
you sign up for Kingdom Impact Accelerator, Mastering the Identity of Christ for High Performers, because we literally talk about how to walk into that mindset of Jesus, how to walk into his character, how to walk into his point of view, and everything that creates a person's identity. It's a step-by-step guide. It's so amazing. I can't, I can't wait for it. The question then becomes, you know, what are you actually doing? Because if you're not allowing God to renew your mind, which you do have to agree with it, Amos 3.3 says that, just like you have to agree with the devil's thoughts, which are going to be fear-based, what happens is you end up taking your eyes off the Lord and placing them upon yourself. Can we say self-righteous and prideful and selfish and self-absorbed and narcissistic? What do all of those words have in common? Oh, it's only about you. You're not that special. Okay? You're special, but you're not that special. <laughs> I hope you're laughing because I'm, I'm laughing too. When you start to place your eyes and your point of view and your thoughts only on yourself, you unintentionally start to deny God's love and you start to open yourself up to the enemy and you're actually agreeing with the enemy and not with God, right? So again, you're in that opposition. You are now an enemy of God, we could argue. The application of denying God's statement and promise of love allows the door for the enemy to open. Sometimes the enemy doesn't have to get you to agree with him because you're doing such a good job of being such a mean person to yourself that the enemy's just going to start to agree with you when you speak hate or dislike over yourself, if that makes sense. Because what you're doing is you're replacing God's word, the Holy Spirit, and God speaking to you the truth that you are incredibly loved with lies. And the funniest thing is you believe those lies, your opinion, more than you believe the truth, which is the word of God. Again, I've been here. We're just talking real talk here. But you got to break this narration, especially if you want to enter freedom and learn your purpose, your specific purpose in life, and really be more of an interesting person because people that are self-absorbed are so annoying. Like, my gosh, get a new hobby other than yourself. And the lies sound something like this. You suck. You're too fat. You're worthless. You can't do it. You should just go kill yourself. You're never going to achieve it. I mean, it's condemnation. It's negativity. It's everything you hope not to experience in life. Remember Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. This was Jesus speaking. And Amos 3, 3, as I mentioned earlier, says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? That means you have to agree with a person before you can move forward. Therefore, it's in my opinion that the enemy can be a source of agreement too. The enemy can stand as the other person right? And the other thing too about me sharing Matthew 18, 19 is I'm saying that God says you are the apple of his eye. I am just the messenger. I did not write that. God says you're amazing. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are an heir with God. If you choose to believe that with me right now, it will be done because that is Father's will for you to accept his point of view and his opinion of you because his opinion is truth. Your opinion is just like flimsy and stupid if it's negative. I feel like I'm being like really harsh today, guys. I'm not trying to. Again, hope you're hearing some humor. I'm, I'm definitely not condemning you. It is easy for us to misspeak. It's easy for us not to say what we mean or say things out of spite or vengeance or hurt. And all of that can result in the enemy coming into agreement with whatever you're saying. 
This is why throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, we really learn to start to learn how to control your tongue and why it's so powerful. When the enemy agrees with you, bondage, pain, and additional suffering is the promise that will come to fruition. And you've probably experienced it. I have for sure. This promise does not manifest life. It manifests death. That's why it doesn't feel great. And we were wired for life and light. It's not necessarily the enemy putting these thoughts into your mind because you can also think for yourself that's the free will. This is why some people are doing such a good job of hating themselves and rejecting themselves. The devil doesn't have to work on them. You're not a threat because you're doing such a good job of beating yourself up. I mean, it's almost like, like imagine this, okay? It's almost like this. You are by yourself and you are punching yourself. Can you imagine, just for a second, imagine someone fighting themselves, like physically fighting themselves and punching themselves. It would look weird and and maybe slightly humorous. It would look weird. And you'd be like, why are you doing that? Well, why are you speaking thoughts that are mentally beating you up? When you have thoughts that are condemning and fueled with self-hatred and self-rejection, these thoughts are coming because most likely you are no longer hearing or fellowshipping with the Lord. So then the enemy can come in and start to agree with you around those negative declarations you're making about yourself. Once the enemy agrees with you that you're pathetic, that you're fat, that you're stupid, that you're a loser, that you're not good enough, that you're never going to get a job, whatever the lie may be, spiritual bondage becomes the fruit. Meaning the belief of being less than or not good enough will start to consume you and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy. But guess what? So is faith. You might even start to have negative thoughts about yourself 60% of the time or more. You might be so consumed with how much you suck that that's what you mainly think about. Again, stop being obsessed with yourself. God does not say you are here to live a comfortable life and to be so self-focused. No, God says you are here to serve God and serve man. You can't serve people if you're obsessed with yourself. You sure as heck can't serve God if you're obsessed with yourself. You're not that interesting either. Like, if you're that interesting to yourself, like, gosh, I don't know. I just remember, quick tangent, I remember when I was struggling with anorexia. And when I was really struggling with the unloving the spirit, which definitely fuels anorexia, man, I thought about myself so much and I was depressed then. I mean, I was, I was like my biggest fan in the most evil way, if that makes sense. And now today I I don't really think about myself that much. I kind of just realized that I think about God. What fills my mind is the word of God and how can I be more entrusted to God to grow his kingdom? How can I serve more? How can I be selfless? I'm really working on crucifying the selfishness inside of me and and the, um, the acts of the flesh, because as I approach getting married to the man of my dreams, I realize that there's no room for selfishness, none, none whatsoever. There's no room for pride. You've got to learn how to be humble because it makes a more powerful relationship and it's way more enjoyable at the end of the day. So I'm really working on that. There's my little tangent. Now, maybe you're curious, what is the spiritual root that causes a lack of self-esteem, self-rejection, self-hatred, and guilt? I already mentioned to you that most of the time it's coming from the spirit of unlovingness. 
And many times it's also caused by a father figure. It can also be a mother, but more times than not, it's a father figure who did not fully nurture his child. Maybe your dad was taken early. My dad died when I was seven years old, right after my seventh birthday. That developed a lot of lack of self-esteem inside of me. And then, you know, my brother victimized me for decades. Did your dad nurture you? Was your mom nurturing? Now, maybe you're like, yes, they were both nurturing. Why am I struggling with this? Well, it can also be genetic. I mean, sin can get into our epigenetics at the end of the day and our genetic bloodstream, if you will. But also, maybe you've done something so deep that you're rejecting yourself and you need to pr practice forgiveness. Like, we all mess up. Like, if I sat you down and told you the things that I did as a child or a young adult, especially before I knew Jesus Christ, you'd be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But you know what? I forgive myself. I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. When I accepted Jesus Christ, I became a new creation and I'm walking in my new creation. I'm not walking in my dead body. That just seems silly. What do you need to do to see or to know to see yourself as God sees you? You have to stop idolizing yourself and you must come back into fellowship with God, the word and the Holy Spirit. You have to learn the truth about how God sees you. And that's something you just have to learn. That's the bottom line. You can never surpass your own self image and God can't help you where you won't let him help you. And have you even asked? I mean, there's a verse in James that says you have not because you asked not. Also make sure you're not asking with selfish motives. As long as you believe you are fat, pathetic, a piece of crap, not good enough, a loser, shouldn't be on planet earth, whatever it is, that's what's going to play out in your life. We work to create our most dominant thoughts. And if your most dominant thought is that you suck, you're not good enough, you hate yourself, blah, 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 whatever negative narration it is, that is what you will create. The Bible says that, neuroscience says that. What or who you are is not what will determine your fate in life, but what or who you imagine, believe yourself to be, will. The cool thing is you can change your beliefs. Praise God that we can change our beliefs and, the, and that the mind and the brain are not, um, you know, hardwired, that we can change these things. I feel like I'm losing my words today, guys. Thank you for your grace. I think I say that every single time. See, I should stop speaking that. It's going to take time to change your beliefs, but I, I promise you, because I work with secular and I work with Christians, when you bring the word of God into renewing your mind, which is letting God renew your mind for you, it's amazing how much faster your mind will, will be renewed. It's amazing how much faster neuroplasticity will work. I mean, there's, there's brain studies about how speaking tongues can really light up certain parts of your brain that improve your ability to rewire your brain. So I'm just saying there's a lot of power in the word of God in case you didn't know. When you read the word of God, you're learning about God's promises and the will for your life at a high level. God will tell you the specific will the more you grow spiritually in them. But you're also learning how God thinks, and that is important. It's essential to learn how God thinks because we are to think like him. And we read that in Romans 12, 2 and 1 Corinthians 2, 16. If you can think as God thinks, then you can see yourself as God sees you. That's so freaking powerful. Excuse my language there. When you allow the word of God to build your self-image, you will see yourself as God sees you. 
Are you going to allow the word of God to build your self-image? Are you going to allow your experiences, your humanistic, worldly core beliefs define that? James chapter 1, verse 22 to 26 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. James is telling us that if we get into the word of God, you can see yourself the way God sees you. You have to remember that God sees you as you will be after the word does its excellent work inside of you. He doesn't see the sin inside of you. He doesn't see the brokenness inside of you. He's like, woohoo, I can't wait to fix that. Right? Like that's how he is. Even if you only believe one of God's promises or opinions about you, that's okay. Start with what you are sure of and then slowly add more as you start to understand God's thinking more and more of you. I will share a personal example. This was a long time ago, probably almost a decade ago now. When I was ready to break up with my eating disorder, there were still a few mental residues that I was working on at this time. So I wasn't participating in the eating disorder. I'd broken up that probably like almost two decades ago. But nonetheless, when I was working to really see myself as God sees me, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, ew, I don't like what I look like. But God says that I'm the apple of his eye. And God loves me. And I'm going to just see that God loves me. I don't have to uh, really fully agree with it right now. I just have to accept, and this is the importance of understanding radical acceptance in my opinion, I just have to accept that's the truth. So as I accept the fact that God loves me and he sees me as perfect, I'm gonna be open to that thought, to that truth, and I'm gonna accept that truth regardless of how I internally feel. And in time, that became my predominant way of thinking because it renewed my mind. Now, here's a sampling of what God says about you, and I will put all of this in the show notes because I encourage you to pick one or two and bury it into your heart. I am a new creation in him. I am reconciled in Christ. My message is reconciliation and freedom. I am righteous and holy. I have been born again by the Holy Spirit. I am saved by the grace as gift, not because of my performance. I radiate light wherever I go. I'm a child of the light and the day. I am the salt of the earth. I am a vessel of divine light. I am chosen and called by God to produce fruit. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I am a disciple of the Most High. The shadow of your wings protects me. I hope you liked today's episode. I apologize for being hard and some poor language on my part. Let's quickly go into prayer. And if you liked this episode and if it was helpful, I ask that you give me a review on Apple because that really does help my show's ratings. And I ask that you share this to one friend. Really help get the word out there if you like my teaching, if you like the style, and if you find this to be impactful. I don't ask it for my glory. I ask it for the glory of God because we need to enhance the kingdom of God. Alrighty, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for letting Jesus die a criminal's death for, for, in order to save me. Father, I come to you and I want to acknowledge that I don't see myself the way that you see me, but I want to. Help me with this unbelief. Help me with not seeing myself as you see me. Open my eyes of understanding. Enlighten my spiritual eyes so that I see myself the way that you see me. 
Father, I ask that you use the Holy Spirit to guide me to a verse that I could bury into my heart that clearly defines how you see me and will resonate with me so that I can hold on to it in those moments when self-hatred and the devil's way of seeing and believing is entering my mind. Help me to break up with these thoughts of self-hatred, self-rejection, and help me to accept and love myself exactly as you love me, Father God. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Father, I only want your will in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you guys have a great day. Remember, it's up to you to create it. I'm rooting for you and I'm praying for you. God bless.